Hey everybody, it's Adam from The Combat Chain here. And before we get into episode 21 of The Combat Chain podcast, I just quickly wanted to apologize for the uh, delay in in content over the this past couple weeks. Uh, this episode you're about to listen to, we actually recorded approximately two weeks ago on uh, Wednesday the 13th of July. And then unfortunately, due to some busy life circumstances, I was unable to get around to editing the episode until recently here. With that being said, we did still want to get this episode out because we had a great interview with Travis McDaniels and we wanted to highlight uh, some of the work he's been putting into this great game. So without further ado, let's get into episode 21 of uh, the Combat Chain podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Today we have a special guest with us. Uh, you may have seen this person at the finals of the Realms 10K uh, a couple weekends ago. And uh, just last weekend, he won his uh, classic constructed uh, road to nationals on uh, a file list that is very near and dear close to my heart. Travis McDaniels is here with us on the combat chain. If you don't know him, this is a good chance to get to know somebody who's who's on the on the upward upward trajectory in flesh and blood we're happy to have travis here travis how are you doing i'm doing well some nice words i would like to think i'm on the upward trajectory in this game but i mean honestly it's just uh it's a great game to play and i'm glad for the success i've had so far even if that ends up being the only one excellent so no one here escapes the origin story uh when they come onto the combat chain so we uh want you to tell the audience who you are and how the hell did you get here well, much like a phoenix flame, flesh and blood was very much a, a rising from the ashes for me. I have been in and out of several card games over the years. Uh, pretty much started with Magic and the old Star Wars CCG back when I was a kid. Didn't really get super duper competitive until my late teenage years uh, with Magic, but then eventually switching over to Android Netrunner when that came out for Fantasy Flight games. And that put me on a big LCG trek, so to speak. Um, and I played a lot of their LCGs as they came out, and uh, not much really took me away from Netrunner as a main game until uh, it eventually had to had to go when uh, the licensing wasn't renewed uh, a few years ago. Uh, but thankfully for me, another one of my old favorites, the Legend of the Five Rings card game, was picked up and rebooted by Fantasy Flight then, so I switched over to that for the, the lifespan of that game as well. Um, and a large part of Flesh and Blood is kind of just like being that next card game that really is uh, skill testing and lower variance than many other games, especially Magic, where sometimes you can kind of just lose to the draw. Uh, and that's sort of what drew me into it uh, after L5R finally went down and lost all official support. Legends and Netrunner are two games that I hear have some of the most passionate fan bases still around i believe it does netrunner still have is it fan made like expansion sets that are still played uh, to this day yeah that's... Fan, uh they had a fan initiative that's entirely community driven uh not for profit so it kind of stays it kind of stays above board in that sense um and it's called the nisei initiative and they've released several fan expansions at this point and to my knowledge that game is still going reasonably strong for something that has no official op or support anymore uh, but I would say Android Netrunner, uh, from a design perspective, is probably the most well-designed, most like eloquently made card game I've ever played. When did you? When did Flesh and Blood actually catch your eye? When did you start playing? Uh, it uh, when it initially kind of started getting some buzz in the Magic community, like when LSV was really getting into it. Um, I did. I think this was right around the time of Arcane Rising. It might have been Crucible, but I think it was a little before Crucible came out, maybe when it was announced. And I, I, I jumped into the game and played a few rounds of it on Tabletop Simulator, and I thought it was like a very reasonably enjoyable game. I could tell that there was like a lot of key decisions. I liked that, similar to some of the FFG games I'd enjoyed, uh, cards could be used in many different ways. They weren't just like one note like a card can only be a land and magic a card can only be an instant etc i liked that everything was sort of modal and you had some flexibility with how you chose to play out your hand uh so then i went and i was like yeah let's see like what a good competitive deck costs and i looked up uh glint uh 
<laughs> went to, went to Quicksilver, I believe, and that card was like an $80 card. <laughs> and I was like, all right, well, we'll wait on this one. Uh, see if that if that ends up being worthwhile. Yeah. Uh, and then I didn't actually fully commit to the game until Tales of Aria. And uh, that was because uh, I play the Arkham Horror LCG as well, which is a cooperative card game uh, deck builder. Think like Slay the Spire, if you're familiar with that, but cooperative um, and played in person. Uh, where you upgrade your decks over time and you play through a campaign. Um, but uh, some of my friends in that had said, oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to like the new Flesh and Blood pre-release. And I was like, oh, wait, is that game like still really expensive? And they're like, no, it's kind of evened out. It's kind of toned down. Uh, and I'm like, sure. So we went and we played. And then the rest of history, I uh, watched the U.S. Nats in November to sort of like get in tune with like like what like a really strong play pattern looks like. And uh, from there, it's been nonstop. I've played this game almost daily since then. Safe to say that it is your primary game at the moment? It's my primary everything right now. I don't think I've uh, touched a video game since I started playing this game, actually. Uh, I did play Elden Ring for a little bit, but like, yeah, this has been my primary hobby for a while. I think this game is phenomenal. I relate to that so hard, yep. <laughs> yeah, right? We're, we're just like, what do we want to do with our time in Flesh and Blood? Let's do more about Flesh and Blood. How about we do content i mean pat you know i i spend a lot of time and not just the arsenal pass discord but several other discords as well so i if i'm not playing flesh and blood i'm I'm often talking about flesh and blood absolutely uh, and with... you are you are very much a, a prominent member of the uh the online community i i you have really come into form as one of the I, I, prominent resources uh, very much in the Arsenal Pass Discord, uh, but uh, but around, I, I feel like you are constantly producing uh, deck lists here that a lot of people are using as starting points uh, for their game. I shamelessly hijacked your your file list for Road to Nationals. I have it right next to me. I have passed it in, on to a friend of mine. In fact, that uh, in in our test server. Uh, took it to second place and with me just reading your notes, his notes, and kind of advising him through. So Matt G got second. Matt G, congratulations on that. But, uh, you know, even before the Phylist, you, uh, you're you really prolific in, in your deck building and your willingness to be transparent uh, with, with the community and, and really help people through these processes uh, here. It, it's a, uh, you know, it's a a testament to your, uh, uh, to your, to your stance in the community. Uh, talk a little more about, uh, about that. You, you are so prolific on your deck building. How, how are you going about testing and producing these lists and, uh, making them into competitive lists? So I think a good place to start with any deck is to have an idea of what the deck wants to do. And not just in terms of like, I want to do 40 damage to my opponent as quickly as possible. Right. Um, so the initial sort of route for the file list was I looked at all of the cards in Uprising and I said, so there seems to be like some good payoffs for 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 some volcanic chain links. Uh, Tome of the Firebrand looks pretty strong because uh, like, you know, it's a one cost draw too. If like you ignored the restriction, that card would be ubiquitous in every deck, right? So let's see like how hard it is to fulfill that restriction. And that sort of led me down uh, trying to make multiple draconic chain links as efficiently as possible. And the easiest way to do that would be like two zero cost attacks, pitching a blue to swing the sword, pick up the flame. And then you have the one resource floating on the blue to play the tome. So you can do it off of three, uh, off of, you can play the tome off of just a four card hand that has two zero cost attacks and a blue. Uh, and that sort of like developed a play pattern. Uh, and ultimately, sadly, uh, we did sort of reach the point where we cut the tome from the deck uh, because it turned out that just, attacking your opponent a bunch, a bunch and forcing them to play around Mask of Momentum and other on-hit triggers was enough to just sort of out-tempo most other decks, uh, at least at a baseline level. Uh, whether or not you think the deck is good into like other aggressive decks like Briar and Viserai uh, is sort of up to debate. But I think it has definitely become one of the premier aggro decks. And it's sort of just like, I'm a very fundamentalist player. More importantly, I think my style of play is very much tempo driven. I like forcing my opponent to react to me. So I like decks that just don't let up. And so like when you're including cards that um, are maybe more like like heavily synergistic and require very specific lines or can be awkward uh, without like a very specific setup, 
I tend to not really value those unless they uh, end up being like a massive payoff. Yeah, I, I can't agree more with that. I think one of the things that drew me to your list is in testing, right? Uh, Phi has so much flavor going for it, but what I what I found was if you throw in those maybe more thematically appropriate cards and we're looking at like rise to the uh, rise from the ashes etc cetera, etc cetera, in flames they uh i always felt like drawing into a hand that had one of those was like a almost a brick at that point anything that wasn't like an attack that just smashed and got go again was almost like a waste of space at that point so anything not being you know directly involved in getting you to that next chain link or you know going wider and threatening a trigger was was a card that inevitably got got cut so when i saw when i saw your list that was like i described it as like a you know if you go into if you go into a tattoo shop with with a drawing of you know a sketch of what you want there you, you know you don't want the tattoo artist to just put that exact thing on there you want somebody to put the professional touch on it and make it very nice and tuned and then throw on the, the real deal. So when I saw your list, I was like, ah, this is, this is what I want. I was, I was, uh, I was thrilled to see it, uh, and thrilled to see, uh, see you successful with it. Uh, so, uh, Travis, you, you're, you're not flying solo here when you're, when you're getting ready for these things. Uh, tell me about your, your testing process and a little bit about the people uh, that you're testing with. Uh, how are you guys? How are you guys getting this done? Yeah. So uh, I was actually going to say when you say like my list and stuff like that, I don't really take a super strong ownership of this list, uh, simply because I was more the testee than the tester for this list. Uh, I am a very jack of all trades kind of player. I play a lot of things, um, and I think I play them reasonably well. Uh, so I was like mainly the person playing against this list while we tuned it to figure out its uh, main strengths and game plan into multiple myriad matchups, uh, which is I think part of the reason why I did so well is because I kind of knew how I could uh, beat many other decks with this list because I knew what the game plan was, uh, even without actually playing the matchup myself. Uh, but as far as like teams go, Officially, I'm a free agent, but I have a number of connections and people that uh, either have helped me get into this game uh, or uh, that I have actually personally brought into this game from uh, other communities, uh, namely L5R. Uh, for example, Pablo Pinthor, the uh, Pro Tour 1 winner, uh, is someone that I've been in a Discord with for quite a while um from like the old elf because he's like he's also an l5r player and we we had our own little discord where like a lot of the the big like the big name players congregated and and practiced and tested for that game as well um and then like the chainless he'd brought was one that we were working on uh at that time but as far as like the big shout outs i think well deserving of this list and i put it in my write out are um anil Seathrim. he's known as minds desire online and on twitter uh you'll definitely see him around he pops up into some of the channels on the main Discord, um, and Will Harrison, and his his handle is just W Harrison. Uh, I believe Will Harrison. Congratulations to him. Also, just got uh, announced to be on the same team as Jason Lai uh, in New Zealand. So uh, I think that's awesome to for him to have seen a lot of like for someone as well around as that to have seen his success and say, "Hey, I want you on my team," because uh, it's well deserved. Because he's a phenomenal player. Uh, and they're the ones who really just like tune this list down. Uh, my only major contribution to this list was the foundation, I think, uh, of like just like not really doing cute stuff and just seeing like how effectively we can we can make a big combat chain with uh, with Toma Fiendal or Toma of the Firebrand. And then uh, the day before, we were originally on two snatch and two lava burst, and I said why would i ever want a second snatch? I'm gonna run three lava burst and one snatch. And so uh, that last second tweak. Uh, I will I will gladly take ownership of because I think that was like definitely the right call. Several people would agree that yeah. that that was a, a it seemed like a minor tweak, uh, but it was big. And when uh, I actually saw that change happen, I was like, oh, oh, there it is. All right. Cool, cool, cool. So uh, before the road to nationals, you participated in uh, the I'm going to get their name. Screw screwy here. The Realms Games the realm 10K, game. the Realm Game 10K. Uh, you were piloting Prism 
and you took it all the way to the finals of that, uh, facing down uh, the Briar that eventually won it. How did you go into this uh, this unique meta situation? Right when the when when we knew that the shipping delays were coming and uprising wasn't going to come till July, they made the decision to to run the tournament, but living legend Starvo and Chain, but not allow uprising in creating a little pocket meta of just, you know, one time only. Um, what was, what was your approach going into that situation that led you to going on to prism and uh, tell me a little a bit about your day on that tournament. Yeah. Uh, so there's nothing like super new there with that choice uh i did kind of meta call a bit as i said i i own multiple decks and i've played multiple heroes the point that i feel comfortable playing many different things and i was kind of between uh briar lexi and prism for that meta and i thought about it for a bit and uh, i asked like you know who's gonna show up here uh so like michael hamilton's big i played a lot of events with him uh and ben over there in indianapolis as well they're big obviously guardian players uh, though Michael, I think, is is pretty done with Guardian for now. He's mostly been playing uh, Lexi and Runeblade. He's been, as far he's as been on Lexi for a while. He was he, not to not to go on a tangent, but uh, he was on Lexi a lot for the competitive team league, uh, Adam. And you know, at yeah. first we thought that that was a little uh, a little odd, but we can kind of see the precursor to the transition starting starting in the team league. And now he's he he has been on Lexi for. Uh, some time now yeah, yeah. and i think yeah. he, he likes that deck a lot yeah it's fun it's fun to kind of see those uh those dots connect from from that early on uh sorry that is a that is a tangent we we stream uh the competitive team league here at the combat chain we provide all sorts of play-by-play we're looking forward to that starting up again and that was one of the things that we noticed but yes yeah so, hey, prism uh so how yes. i kind of arrived there uh it was really close it was like quite literally like a ride up there kind of decision uh but uh not only was i like expecting like these really strong indianapolis players uh i was also expecting uh the pittsburgh guys who rode up for their first 5k which was classic constructed uh and they they are as far as i'm aware they really like guardian uh i'm talking like charles dunn and pat eschke uh which are names that have made top eights and and they, they've been on top of most major events that i've seen them at uh uh, as far as I'm aware, I don't think I've ever seen them play anything except for uh, Starvo. And uh, sure enough, they were playing uh, Guardian in this event as well. Uh, so that helped a little bit, knowing that like some of the better players were going to be on Guardian. But also, I think as far as the meta call was going, many people expected Briar to be the deck. And the counter to that deck would be Guardian, right? It would be Old Him or maybe Bravo in like, an aggressive variant. Uh, and so... I felt that if I could get myself super comfortable in the Briar matchup, even if it's still unfavored, if I could get it to like a 45-55, or I could feel like I could I could navigate that matchup better than Briars, who maybe didn't have as much uh, practice in the Prism, like they they just sort of like relied on the favored matchup to get them there, uh, but they didn't really work with the nuanced interactions of the matchup uh, and like know how Prism can win that matchup. Uh, that I would I would sort of like fall back on on my experience there. Uh, just jamming lots of games with Prism over the years. Uh, plus, uh, the ultimate decider was that I won the 5K that they had run previously with Prism, uh, so I was going to run it back, <laughs> basically, was the, was the choice. Uh, Prism got me there the first time. Prism could get me there the second time. So going into uh, so going into last weekend, you had two RTNs. You had the CC and you had the draft. Tell me a little bit about your, your weekend here and Road to Nationals. Yeah. Uh, so the CC event, I had a big write-up. I'm not going to go through it all, but yeah. uh, I would I would highly recommend checking it out. It's on the FabDB link. Uh, yeah, or, and we, uh, we can, can we find can, it linked around yeah, we'll link in it. a few places. Yep, we'll put those in the show notes. <laughs> uh, but I, I did a really nice, uh, while it was still fresh, the, like the night of, as soon as I got home, I started typing out uh, my, my memories of how the day went and how each round went uh, and sort of like my insights into the matchup and how I, I, I adapted the deck. Um, 
But like for the most part, I was very pleased with that CC event uh, because I felt like I, I could have won and just straight up swept that event going 8-0. I did lose one game to my friend Ryan, who is another Cincinnati native on Oldham. And I think uh, after talking it through with Anil, who was again another one of my testing partners for the deck, I could have taken a different Art of War line that was maybe a little riskier, but uh, not so much so that it would have been like provably worse. Uh, and like definitely had the potential to be a much higher ceiling. And I ended up losing that game with him on three life. So like it ends up probably getting me there uh, if I go that route instead. Uh, so it's just like it was just like a simple choice of what to banish with Art of War. And I picked, mm -hmm. I think, uh, like the second best choice instead of the first best choice. And that's just coming from lack of experience in the matchup and lack of experience with the deck uh, from the pilot perspective. Uh, as far as draft goes, uh, drafting the set's fine. Uh, I am not super high on it. I think Aria was overall more fun to draft. Uh, the one thing the set does have going for it, though, is the limited gameplay in and of itself, I think, is the best of any limited set I've played in this game. I think it's better than Welcome to Wraith limited play in terms of value trading and resource efficiency and things like that. Uh, but as far as the draft experience goes, I don't like how it seems like you have to very much like commit to a lane early. Uh, pivoting is not really a thing at all, uh, unless you get like really lucky and you you find like a bunch of generic poppers in your first two or three picks. Uh, so you have to like kind of like pick your lane, stick to it, and commit, and hope that you know you you picked right and you read generally what the rest of the table is on. And then from there, like the draft becomes very boring because once you commit to a lane, you know, it's just like, okay, what do I need? I need still some more blues, so I'll pick up this good blue. I need just more gas. I'll just pick the best card in the pack uh, for my deck. So it it kind of isn't as exciting as it could be, but it, it's totally fine. I don't hate drafting this set. I just wish that it was a little more flexible. And I think having only 14 cards per pack and the the packs being very insular with like the pools not really having a lot of crossover between the three heroes uh does hurt it are you a constructed player or a limited player first i'm a both player but uh probably constructed check one in pat's box for being limited before, uh, sorry, cc yeah, before finally, constructed before get limited a, get a constructed guy on We're here starting to run a tally on the show of are we yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> i'm on team limited and pat's on team constructed and nice i, I am i am historically one of the worst drafters just in the in the history of that format existing it's just if you ask me which one's more skill intensive i would say limited and and it's it, i think anyway constructed is is wrong <laughs> but uh well, i think constructed's a lot more of my speed just because uh mm -hmm. i don't know you, you can you can get more personal with it uh yeah absolutely um so, uh, given your success in uh, this first week here, uh, give me give me your impression of what the what the landscape is looking like right now. Do you, it, it does appear to be pretty wide open with a couple a uh, couple things rough around the edges here. But what what are you what are you seeing in classic constructed coming into these next few weeks in in road to national season? I, uh, people are going to hate me for saying it, but I think it's just the truth. I think Runeblade, obviously, very, very strong. Uh, I would probably, if you like, put a gun to my head and told me, tell me to like tell you what deck to bring the Pro Tour right now, I would say Viserai. Uh, I think Viserai is He's the most well-rounded deck. In the world. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I think with the with the rotation of Chain and Starvo out, the overall power ceiling of the game. Uh, is lower just enough that like Viserai and uh, Briar, though I don't like Briar as much, uh, have like a very good flexible game plan and the ability. Like Runeblade just has such a toolkit to to attack many different things. But obviously, I think the meta right now is just like everyone's talking about it. It's like very wide open. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, I would say about ten out of. 17 cc heroes right now i think i wouldn't be surprised to see them win win an rtn uh, i wouldn't be surprised mm -hmm. to see them even win a, a calling right now uh, i think there's only about seven heroes i think are quite there right now uh but like if you i think like the best ones are obviously going to be like briar viscerai uh oldham i think agro bravo is 
just not being talked about right now. And I think that deck mm-hmm. is so good. Uh, Lexi's quite good. Prism is there just because uh, she just gets free wins sometimes, right? I think Prism will always be somewhere at top tables because she's so good in the beginning rounds of Swiss, the uh, area I like to call the jungle, uh, just because there's just a lot of decks that aren't super good into Prism. And so if, as long as Prism can just like slam down two auras a turn or uh, draw the better half of her uh, her amazing attack actions, she will very likely just beat them through sheer efficiency in that. Uh, but yeah, Runeblades, uh, I think Phi is quite good. I'd probably put him at like the bottom of tier one or the top of tier two because he does have some weaknesses. Uh, and Guardian, Prism, Galaxy's kind of a dark horse. Uh, Dorinthia, very good, kind of slept on, but loses the Prism, so yeah, probably won't yeah. be the best choice in a larger tournament. Um, do you see uh, uh, running it back to to Phi here uh, with with uh, the deck that you brought specifically? Uh, do you uh, do you see any? Would you run it as is, uh, or is there anything in there that you notice that you might uh, you might change out uh, moving forward here, or is the is Phi the way that you've constructed it? Do you consider that viable in the long term? Uh, I think there's not much changes I'd make to the deck right now. Phi, the the way the list works is it's just super super linear. Uh, you could maybe replace the that all you got with like bigger d reacts for for briar maybe so that you could block like a stash for seven a little easier with a sink below uh you could uh replace the uh breeze rider boots with tide flippers if you would rather have uh the arcane barrier into viscerai uh even though you probably won't be pitching to it very often it could be nice uh in a pinch to 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 help get you there because you don't necessarily need the blue in your hand. It just is nice because it swings sword and uh floats a resource for something else. Uh but like you could like theoretically block three arcane damage with the blue and then just play three zero cost red attacks and still threaten mask and do what you want to do. Um but I think those are more side grades than strict upgrades. Uh CNC and a race face are just bread and butter just generic cards into an open meta where you're not really sure what is going to be at the top table because they both have matchups where they are just stellar threats that your forces your opponent to deal with them and when your opponent is already blocking mask of momentum triggers closing the chain on a six attack that they feel very heavily inclined to block out is just just brutal travis i given uh given the the current landscape as you laid out how do you feel it, uh, the state of the game is right now. The re- Uprising has, has released. I don't know how you feel about the collectible aspect of it. I don't know if you're a degenerate uh, pack cracker uh, like some of us here. Uh, you know, How do you feel about Uprising as a product? How do you feel about the state of the game right now? Uh, how you know Flesh and Blood as a whole, where, where do you think it stands? Yeah, uh, I think Uprising is a phenomenal set addition to Flesh and Blood. I think the Draconic trade is overall quite successful. Uh, I think they've done a wonderful job with making the heroes good, but not overbearingly so, as in pretty much every other set they've made. Uh, as far as like collectibles go, I don't crack a lot of cases. I'm usually a singles buyer, but I'm always on the lookout for, for some bling. And I happen to just be apparently quite lucky. So I am I am basically trying to trade down some of my some of my rips to find uh some of the extra bling that this set has to offer. Uh, so overall, I think it was, this is going to be remembered as one of the better Flesh and Blood sets, if not the best, uh, just because it, it marks a change in their distribution model going from first edition and unlimited to just a single edition. It's the first set that introduces Marvels as a formal rarity. The set has a ton of collectibles in it uh, that are very awesome and very cool to open. Uh, so I think like there's no, like, I have everything I need from this set uh i don't really feel like opening any more kind of limit to it you always have like those moments even if like you've got all of like the cards you theoretically need to play the set uh you'll still like be really happy to open up a marvel or open up a a cold foil uh going forward so i think it's probably going to be one of their most successful sets ever uh and the draft the draft is still quite fun uh 
even though I don't think it's 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 the best compared to previous sets they've done. Uh, yeah, going off of that uh, uh, comments about the bling there, uh, there has been recent controversy about uh, people with foil cards in their deck and uh, judge calls uh, leading to game and match losses and kind of you know, judge calls in general. What, is it, what has been your experience in the last couple weeks here in terms of uh, deck checks, uh, the judging in flesh and blood? Uh, have you have you run into anything uh, of note there? Has it been smooth sailing? Uh, in I guys? personally have not run into issues. Uh, however, many people I know have. Uh, there were two uh, game losses given out at the Rum Games 10K by the judges there, and I'm not saying they made the wrong call or anything like that, uh, but these were essentially random deck checks, uh, and those two game losses were both, uh, I would consider, like, on the same level of teammates uh, of mine from the uh, Ohio region, uh, Brian from Cincinnati and Matt Coles from Dayton. Uh, which Zach Bunn put out a tweet about Matt Coles' situation as well, which caused a lot of controversy. But I just think, like, they had game losses given to them because they had just, like, a foil in their deck that happened to be, like, uh, I know for in the case of Matt Coles, it was, I think, a Gorganian Tome. And the same with Brian, it was also a Gorganian Tome, but Matt's was foil and Brian's wasn't. So, like, but the judges claimed that they could cut to the Tome uh, pretty much every time and they were issued a game loss but then you get to the top eight and they did a top eight deck check and i think five out of eight of the top eight myself included had to swap out cards because they were cuttable too so mm. it's just rough to think that if if like any of us had gotten a random deck check at any point during the tournament we would have just been issued a game loss and that just like ends your tournament run right and it's it's seemingly random kind of kind of policy. Uh, I just think, and I've passed this feedback to the judges, and they took it very well, which I thank them for. Especially Bree, Bree, you ran an awesome tournament. Thank you for all you did. Uh, but I think that just simply, it's just too punitive. Uh, this should just be a a warning. Swap out the cards and move on with your day. Play the game. Uh, I think just getting a game loss uh, because you included a rainbow foil in your deck that, as they do, bulges out just slightly more and may cause it to be cuttable too, is tough. And I think setting an expectation of either not running any foils at all is, is not the way to go, and uh, also the expectation of we'll just run it by the head judge before the event uh, is also not realistic because then, you know, every single event, what happens at a calling with several hundred players when the head judge just basically has to check hundreds of decks, right? to, to right. figure out yep. if, if they are fine to play. I think that's just kind of unrealistic and logistically difficult. Uh, so I think the best course of action is if you're going to do random deck checks, uh, you've got to just make it a reasonable solution, right? I think a game loss is, mm -hmm. is way too harsh, especially without any other indicator of malicious intent or cheating. Speaking of uh, malicious and miserable things, uh, you have Belittle in your FI list. Uh, and it feels like so doesn't uh, half half the game here. Uh, I I was I was actually I was thrilled to see Isaac Kroot, uh with his Viserai build with zero belittles. Uh, I did hear him compare it directly to Starvo though, which made me sad on the other side of things. But uh, belittle so much. <laughs> And uh, and you know what it I with that viscerai list uh, that he was showing it really it does kind of fit too but uh, uh, belittle everyone knows how I feel about belittle how do you feel about belittle I uh, see you when you gave me free reign to add this to the show notes I kind of laid a trap for you uh, because uh, I listened to your podcast this morning uh, the last episode you guys did where you had mentioned that you think belittle is man worthy uh, and I, I'm here to to give a contrarian opinion where. I think the card is fine. Full disclaimer, ah, that's ah, Pat's ah. opinion. Yeah, it is. It is. It is my opinion. I, 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 I take full responsibility for it. Yeah, so I think uh, Belittle, the reason you are seeing it more now than ever is, again, because the power level of decks has gone down. Uh, so a, a notably strong generic like Belittle will notably get better 
in the decks that can run it. And and it's not being run in every deck because not every deck has the card base to run it. You're not going to see Prism running Belittle. Her cards have too much attack. Same thing with Lexi. Same thing with Bravo. I mean, although maybe someone could try. Rouse the Ancients Belittle sounds kind of hype. Um, but <laughs> but uh, the the decks that do run it just happen to be quite strong fundamentalist. Uh, uh, what people call aggro, I would just call like turn to turn decks, right? Decks that just put out a fundamentally strong turn-to-turn game plan without much long-term setup. Uh, with in Ninja and Runeblade, especially, uh, R- Belittle just kind of does everything Runeblade wants. It it fixes their hands for when they need resources. It 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 by itself is both an attack action and a non-attack action in one go. Uh, so it turns on Rosetta Thorn. But I'm kind of on Team Belittle. Viscerai is not that strong i think it's a fine deck uh and it may even be uh the best way to play viscerai and i may find myself saying that a week from now but i think it's right now i think that something like isaac's deck or what me and my team are now affectionately calling nine by nine viscerai that's nine mauve nine shrill viscerai yeah yeah uh, i think that is is probably a little bit more of where I think his strength lies just because Shrill's goal form is such an above rate card. It's it's quite ridiculous. I I agree with that. Um, and you know it's funny because uh, I actually have seen since that podcast came out, I have seen kind of a drop off. And I one of my uh, one of my my points was that it was getting a little ubiquitous. Uh, so not so much like a glaring like like this thing here but just like a just a persistent little guy that keeps running around here and i will reiterate i said i said it was early but mm-hmm. if they're six out of eight in the top eight pro tour lil have like at least reds reds and blues uh minimisms or something like that uh, it's going on the list potentially potentially uh i think the card is obviously quite strong but it i mean like so is Command and Conquer. So is a race base. Mm-hmm. These generics that that have very strong effects are going to see play, um, and Belittle just is, is very strong. I'm not trying not no, trying at is. all to under underplay no. its its strength as a card, uh, but great. the restriction that it puts onto your deck uh, is is a real one, uh, especially in something like Viscerai, where you'd think it would be a natural home, but turns out that running these attacks that 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 fit under that three attacker less marker does impact the deck in, in some ways. Uh, yes. And, um, and I've seen oh, one of the things that did drive me a little crazy is that now people are going into uh, is, like red belittle is its own beast and, and, you know, flavors of, of red and blue minimalism is one thing. Now I see people throwing in the yellow belittle because if you do the, like the, you know, the math works out, but I've even, I got, I've got I mean, Katsu's five go again. Like, yeah, yeah. It does. It does the thing. Um, I, but I, I've got Katsu's running yellow belittle because it turns Shuko on for yellow whelming and just oh, I really this, like yellow belittle and Katsu. Uh, I like the little package a lot more in Katsu than I do in Bai. I have not Bai is my my only real issue. Plus, yes, like yep. Bai, you don't really want to break the combat chain to play a red minimalism. Mm-hmm. But in Katsu, that's that's probably a little bit more fine. You don't need to like you're not your entire hero isn't built around uh, playing three draconic attacks to get your Phoenix Flame back. Yeah, so. yeah. And I am, I do, I do love Belittle and Fi. I am sick of forgetting it's not draconic and trying to swing my sword or something right afterwards and being called out that's on just, it. It's just reps on the deck, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's me. That's a me thing. Uh, I, I did want to say to uh, to Travis's point, um, currently, I, I think an angle to consider on Belittle and Fi right now, too, is um, I don't really think Red Minnowism, to, to your point of you don't want to break the combat chain, I don't think Red Minnowism even has a place in the deck. I've been just purely using the Belittle Minnowism condo, uh, combo as a means to get more resources and particularly to beat ice strategies. And I think that's probably that's one exactly of the what we use it for. yeah yeah exactly i think that's kind of and that's that's what we fetch with it yeah 
Travis, we had uh, you have uh, you got a streak going on here. What is your uh, what's the rest of your 2022 looking like? What are your what's your outlook here for you competitively? What are your what are your goals for the next tournaments that you want to run uh, run into? Uh, what are you what are you planning here? So I'm planning on finishing out most of the major events left in 2022. I had already planned on going to Lille with uh, some of my friends. Uh, I unfortunately did not qualify at a uh, ProQuest this time because I could only attend two, and I bubbled out in the top four of both. So that is mega unfortunate. Uh, but uh, it is what it is. If I can pick up a PTI for a price I'm willing to pay, I would definitely consider it there. But otherwise, I'm just going to go there and be happy to play the calling and do draft side events and and just have a good time in France, right? Uh, I have never actually been outside of the United States unless you count going to Canada. Well, I guess I've never been outside of North America would be the way, better way to say that. Because uh, I've been to Toronto a couple of times for events there. Um, so this is my first time I've had to like upgrade my passport to the full book and and really travel outside of my comfort zone. Uh, I am hitting up, of course, U.S. Nationals in North Carolina. I'm currently planning on either seeing if I'm going to be driving there, if we're going to do one giant carpool from like the Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky area, uh, or if I'm going to end up flying there. And then, of course, Worlds uh, wouldn't miss it. <laughs> yeah, certainly looking forward to to France. That's going to be one hell of an experience. Absolutely. Uh, and I, I, the main reason I actually do want to play the Pro Tour there is because it's the first mixed format Pro Tour, and mixed format is is my wheelhouse. It, uh, that's pretty spicy as well. And yeah. at CC, like it's it's so nice. Uh, you can even run like weirder CC decks, uh, like Dorinthia that maybe have bigger Achilles heels that you wouldn't run in a full CC event because you can cover up like the the one or two Prism games you'll run into with strong draft fundamentals like if you just feel like you're a fundamentally strong drafter you can play a more niche counter hero to the meta yeah for sure i think the meta will be super interesting there it definitely is seems like it is uh fleshing out to be pretty diverse um so you so mixed mixed format would be kind of like your preferred if everything could be mixed would you like it that way constructed oh, yeah. and like every like if every calling was like half draft half cc i would be all over that uh but otherwise like full cc or full draft are also fine uh just i just don't really touch the blitz for blitz format I, if you like it it's your thing that's cool it's just not for me uh i'm the uh non-limited and blitz only guy yeah that's that's who i am yes it's, it's, it's not working out have you gotten a chance? Did you play in the uh, so after the 10K there was the team sealed event? Did you get an opportunity to play in that? Absolutely. How uh, how how? What are your thoughts on team events as a whole? And team events are hype. Uh, team events are hype as heck. Like uh, I would pretty much always be down uh, for for a team event of some kind. Uh, even team blitz, dare I say. Um, <laughs> But uh, I think Team Seal is probably the best way to go about uh, a team event. Uh, and then my team for this event was... Uh, I know Matt Fry, who is another one of my locals and one of my Arkham Horror buddies that I mentioned before, who kind of reminded me this game existed and was actually affordable now. Uh, he was on our team, and he was our Dromai player. I played Icelander. And then Eric Schutman, uh, who... Uh, you may have seen his name because he's he was a he was a leaderboard runner for a while. He played. He a was. Of my yep. Uh, yep. He was our five player, and uh, so I was stuck as the Icelander player because I was pretty much the only one who had played any any amount of Icelander at that point. Uh, and we did solidly solidly well. I think we were just outside of the top four, either fifth or sixth seed, mm -hmm. uh, because we we had lost the last round to the uh, second place runners. Uh, so it was Excellent. it was a tight run. Uh, I feel like our decks were pretty pretty okay. Uh, Twelve packs and team sealed doesn't sound like a lot, but trust me, our like every deck in that in that format was just wildly tuned super well uh, because of the sheer amount of a pool each hero gets. So uh, trust me when I say that I think it's a really fun event just because everyone gets to run really well tuned decks. Um, and I liked it because it actually has a little bit of a mini 
classic constructed built in because being able to choose which of your massive pool of cards are going to make your 30 is a, is a real skill. Absolutely. Too. <laughs> it does sound it does sound like the kind of limited format I could uh, sink my teeth into. Um, all right. Your deck had like 20 blues, right? Like very right. Blue. Yeah, right. It was great. I, I, I ended up I was on Icelander for both my pre-releases. I had like I had like 15 blues, but I was like, I really need I just wasn't wasn't enough of what I wanted to have in the deck. And uh, it was killing me on the inside uh, going through that. Yeah, and they were um, like both good blues too. We're talking like the, yeah, right. The stuff the ether hails, the frostings, the cold snaps. Yeah, uh, we we didn't have anything super bad in the blues. Right, no fluff. That's and three like. poppers too, which uh, unfortunately did not save me from my one dromai I played. Um, all right, Travis. Now for some of the uh, the really really hard hitting stuff here. Oh. Uh, you've been playing uh, Fab for a little bit now. Who? is your favorite hero in flesh and blood you don't really make me pick one <laughs> i'll give you I'll give you a top three if you want to sit on that fence so i will I'll, I'll go ahead and i'll pick a favorite one uh i mm-hmm. think my favorite hero just overall is probably uh is probably chain and mm-hmm. uh unfortunately no longer playable but chain was just about everything i love in a hero uh for my sensibilities he played just like a mean forcing your opponent onto the back foot kind of game uh through the mid-range like his his mid game was just unmatched uh his oh, entire man. deck was fundamentals 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 uh just clean efficient turns that uh if you plan them out properly you are rewarded immensely um and uh i feel like he could beat any deck if you were good enough with it have quite, you quite well have you tried Young Chain in CC? That's not have good. You, have you? No. All right. Uh, Twenty Life. Twenty Life is a very real downside. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because even if you have a monster tone turn, like your opponent's like, okay, take. Yeah. And right. I'm still alive. I can yeah. kill you again. Yeah. If you're not, if you're not doing like 50 damage turns with Young Chain, which you won't, uh, you're, you're, there's no, there's no way that that deck will be seriously viable much to my chagrin uh but i guess like of the legal heroes right now i'd say i'm vibing the most with icelander excellent what about icelander uh do you do you like uh forces my forces my opponent to sort of uh respect my my game plan a bit i i i'm very much a player that that likes uh throwing throwing my opponent off tempo and taking it myself uh i feel like she's pretty strong but has some weaknesses to the point that I wouldn't consider her one of the top heroes. Uh, but just being able to to sort of like control the tempo and the flow of a game, uh, the reward, risk versus reward of when to play your blue from Arsenal, because I think a lot of people, when they first try that hero, they're just playing it at the first opportunity and giving your opponent a frostbite when letting your opponent play out two cards, then giving them a frostbite, it could disrupt their turn much more because they're they're operating on uh, you're operating on more information and they're operating on fewer options to play around that frostbite because at that point they now have fewer cards in hand. So I think she's very rewarding and very uh, uh, fun to to play well. Excellent, excellent. Uh, uh, favorite hero, what is your favorite, uh, if you had to pick a favorite card, uh, what, what, is, what is close to your heart here in terms of, terms of individual cards? You really are just giving me the the hard hitters. Yeah, you really uh, get you really got to think about it. Yeah, probably. I got two. It's either it's either uh, Art of War or Become the Ark Knight. Those are good probably. cards. Those are good cards. Yeah. Art of War. I, I, they're again kind of speaking to the the flexible kind of game plan. I prefer. Uh, they're they're mm-hmm. the most flexible cards in the game. Art of War has been done nothing but gone up in my books uh, as probably one of the best flexible cards in the game because it, it just does so much for you. Um, and if you're able to run Tunic uh, and any sort of like multi-attack game plan, I don't know why you wouldn't run Art of War. 
That's fair. Do you uh, so you would disagree to some of the people that uh, that are that have called for become the Ark Knight uh, to be banned or have stated that the the tutor effect for Viserai is, was a mistake? I wouldn't call it a mistake. Uh, I would say that uh, I believe it was uh, Drood who said that become the Ark Knight would probably be a sensible target to remove from Viserai. Uh, just to lower his power level without removing a part of his identity, which is a fair, which is a fair criticism. Uh, but I think it it's not the core issue. I think the core issue with Viserai before they banned Skeleta uh, was Skeleta, like quite literally. Uh, no other chess piece in the game can net you the value that Skeleta was giving Viserai, and it also blocked for two, and it could block for three if you really, really needed it to as well. Uh, that chess piece was one of the most busted pieces of equipment in this game and probably ever will be. And I would be surprised if it ever gets free reign to do what it was doing before again. It makes me sad. I love Skeleton. <laughs> well, that deck too. That deck was a lot of fun. <laughs> that was uh, really good. Drawing lots of cards is really fun. <laughs> I do. I, I stand by. I think, I think Sonata should have taken the hit. Uh, I think Sonata is fine in a world without Skeleta. I think yeah. in a world without Sonata, Skeleta would have been still a really insane piece of equipment. That's fair. Uh, even just like playing a Rattlebones for free and picking up a uh, Spellblade Assault or a Shrill of Skull form would have been more than enough to make that card the best chess piece in the game. Sounds so good just saying it, doesn't it? <laughs> like, that's like, a great line the right there. Play Rattlebones into Swarming and Hey man, you're, you're zooming. Absolutely, you didn't, you didn't even have to pitch a blue for it. We talked about how much time you spend uh, on Fab. Uh, what are you doing these days outside of Flesh and Blood? Uh, so I predominantly, if I'm not doing anything Flesh and Blood, I'm either I'm either working or I'm taking care of my dogs in my house. Um, I work at the at a computer chain uh, in the United States uh, that's actually fairly well known. Uh, most people who have one near them probably are really happy to. It's called Micro Center. Uh, and I'm a manager at the Micro Center here in Sharonville, just north of Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, there are 25 of us across the nation, and uh, computers and building PCs is a, is a side hobby of mine that I've had since I was a kid. Uh, oh, so that, that's that's one. That's like my fun fact, my hidden fact. Uh, All right. But other than that, uh, I'm lately... Just been on the the grind with flesh and blood and trying to get through the fab fitness challenge and generally be a better person by the end of it. How how is that going for you? Pretty well, actually. I set some clear goals for myself um, and stuck by them pretty much. Uh, I wanted to really focus on. Uh, well, I think like every good goal should be like attainable uh and measurable right so mm -hmm. i i set some very rigid standards uh for what i wanted to do i uh, i'm a large person so i i knew that like hey if we're gonna do a fitness thing i i would like to lose weight that's straight up just something that i feel like i could do i just never have because i've never felt like doing it really like but like here this is a good opportunity to 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 better that part of myself mm -hmm. uh so i think like the biggest barriers for that is i i would just eat stuff because I was bored at times. I would snack a lot. Uh, so I decided let's let's do IF, not necessarily for the, the benefits of of the fasting portion of it, but just as a way to set guidelines and rules. As a gamer, I, I'm really good at following rules and, and, and being efficient uh, to to sort of control that. So I just said, here's my window. If I'm outside that window, even if I'm hungry, I will I will willpower through it. Um, and Generally speaking, my appetite's gone down. I've been able to uh, feel even more energized just because the energy that I'm burning is 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 lasting me longer. And for the most part, that's gone quite well. Uh, but on top of that, I also wanted to sort of ramp up some level of of ritualistic exercise. Um, and i'm I'm asthmatic. So aerobic exercise and me are a little tough. I, I do try, but uh, I'd rather not die for it. But 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 
slow burn exercises, things like swimming and biking and walking or even jogging, if it's not too rough, uh, are things I can definitely do. So I committed to one hour of one of those activities uh, three times a day, ramping up to uh, starting the week after next uh, five times a week. Uh, so at some point during my day, I'll find an hour to go out on a walk. My dogs have been loving it. Uh, or I will go out and I will I will just swim laps in my admittedly small backyard pool, but that that doesn't matter. It's still enough to to get the reps in. Uh, so I mean, overall, I've been able to do what I've set out to do. I'm very happy with the progress I've made. I'm down five pounds since starting. So excellent! We're Congratulations! Thank you. Um, admittedly, sorry YouTube, but I really shit the bed. Uh, on the on the fab fitness challenge it is not uh uh i have not done well with it at all there's a whole my life is a calamity at the moment anyways it's not really an excuse but i really have not uh it has been an abject failure uh, part for of this guy honest with yourself on that too right yeah 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 i've been talking about doing basically a big reset here and trying to salvage the rest of the month but it has yeah it has not 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 gone well i don't think of it as uh, like over here anything either right just like just like start by just saying all right i'll do it for a day yeah. And then I'll do it for two yeah. days and I'll do it for three. And then like, you know, it is, it is exactly that is a fresh start. It's never too late to start. Just get on it. And, you know, never too late to learn something new. It's never too late to decide to be a better you. So uh, that's, that's where we, and the community behind this is awesome. That's it really big, is. It really is. It's, I've been able to do what I've been doing. I love, I love, I've loved this community before and it feels it's been kind of a running joke, uh, especially when I'm when I'm trolling under the combat chain Twitter. But it feels so much like a like it's such a positive place. It feels like a cult, right? It, like if you if you're coming from, I come from you know no offense to the magic grinders of the world there, but if you're coming from magic into flesh and blood, you, there's a lot of cynicism coming uh, from the magic side because you're like I don't trust that people are this nice. It's like you know what, we're just all happy to be here. Uh, but uh, that part of that 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 happy medium of being like a small community, but one that's growing. Uh, I really, really hope that Flesh and Blood continues to maintain this this feeling mm -hmm. of like mm -hmm. a an all's welcome, open, accepting kind of club as more and more players get in, and it doesn't ever lose that. So, hundred percent. I think every single one of us has a sort of duty to to keep it that way. Like if, if the community is nice, that's on each individual person to make it, to keep it that way. You have an opportunity here to um, uh, plug your socials. If you have anything coming up, uh, anything that you would uh, like to use this platform uh, for, the floor is yours. Uh, sure. Uh, so I currently don't have a platform myself, uh, but I will say that Flesh and Blood has done the impossible yet again. Uh, and it is the first game that has gotten me to actually use Twitter. Uh, that's because the Twitter community is really awesome. You can find me on there. I posted my five deck list, and every once in a while, I'll, I'll chime in on on some big names' Twitters with some hot takes and cold takes and medium takes. Uh, but my Twitter handle is at tfightsdragons. On Discord, I am Travis Fights Dragons pretty much everywhere. Uh, I'm one of the lucky people who kind of has a moniker that isn't taken because it happens to use my name in it. Uh, but I also want to shout out uh, some groups for my friends. Uh, so as I said before, Will and Jason Lai's team, super awesome that uh, my my friend Will from Michigan got onto there. Um, Pablo's team is known as Sandflower Samurai. They have a pretty awesome website and stuff they're going up, and they're obviously going to be at many events going forward as that team. Uh, Anil has also been put in as an honorary member on that team. Uh, so shout outs to them and and their platforms. I would also say, just in general, uh, in addition to this podcast, if you don't listen to it as well, definitely check out Arsenal Pass. They were one of the gateway content creators to really get me into this game. Uh, and they they do something. They they have their niche and they do it better than anyone I think I've seen. And then the last one would be uh, Flake, Maddie's content as well, the Instant Speed podcast and the uh, the the stack uh, content that he does, I think is also the best at what it does for this community in terms of, of getting guests and 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 highlighting people in this in this game so 
Uh, shout outs to them and all the awesome work they do. They make this community better every day. Uh, so thank you to them. Well said. We we love we love all of those uh, those guys as well. Matt has been. Uh, I only have time for so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. That's all right. Uh, Travis McDaniel, it has been a pleasure to have you on here. Uh, we wish you continued success, and I will uh, be sure to continue to bug you constantly on the discords as I try to hijack more of your deck lists. Absolutely. Pre- uh, they will be you. free to be hijacked. I am, I'm a very open deck list kind of person. Because uh, if, you're, if you're closing off the deck list, man, like, uh, doesn't that just kind of segregate part of the community? So absolutely, I'm open to share ideas and outcomes and things that don't work. Uh, so always feel free to bug me if you have any questions. I will always be open. Awesome, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. All right, Adam, that should do it for this episode of The Combat Chain. We'd like to thank our guest, Travis McDaniels, for coming on once more. Uh, and it is uh, you know time to plug our stuff. So you can find us. Uh, you can find us on YouTube at uh, The Combat Chain. You can search The Combat Chain on YouTube. Be sure to press the like and subscribe button and hit those bell notifications. We are producing podcasts and video content regularly there. Uh, you can support us on our Patreon at the link below. Uh, we have we have a single tier there uh, for those who choose to support us. Um, every, every little bit helps, keeps the lights on here in the combat chain. Uh, chamber of chains here and uh, of course you can find the combat chain on twitter at the combat chain you can find myself at pat smash good and you can find adam at fom tulery tcg and uh, i think that's gonna do it here so until next week we're closing the combat chain, chain.